welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode will air on Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. I'm Shannon and I am here today with author Riley Sager. And once that interview is over, I have, of course, the guide to this week's new releases. And there are quite a few fabulous things coming out this week. But before we get into all of that, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. If you find us on Facebook, you can also join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. So definitely feel free to check that out if you are so inclined. And if you want to send us an email, that address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So those are the ways you can get a hold of us if you should want to do that for any reason. We always love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out. All right, so on with the interview, I spoke to Mr. Sager earlier this month about his latest novel entitled Lock Every Door, and here is that interview. Welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I'm joined by author Riley Sager, whose third novel, Lock Every Door, will be releasing on July 2nd, so tomorrow as of the time of this recording. Riley, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast this morning. Oh, no, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So can we start out by giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to Lock Every Door and what they can expect from this novel? Lock Every Door is about a young woman named Jules who is having just a really hard time with things. She's lost her job. She's lost her apartment. She's crashing on a friend's house, a couch, sorry, and she needs money and she needs a place to live. And she finds both at the Bartholomew, a very old, very glamorous, very secretive building that needs an apartment sitter for three months. And she moves in and she likes it, even though there are kind of some strict rules, um, no visitors, no nights away from the apartment, no bothering the other residents who are semi-famous and very, very wealthy. But she takes the job, she likes it, and she meets another apartment sitter named Ingrid, who tells her that there's something slightly off about the building. And then the next day, Ingrid vanishes. So Jules sets out to find out what happened to her and if anyone in the building is responsible for this disappearance. So the Bartholomew, in and of itself, is a very, very spooky place. <laughs> What was your inspiration for creating this type of building? My inspiration was, and I hope that people who live there don't hear this and 
get mad at me. It was definitely the Dakota. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's it's such it's this famous building. It's very recognizable, yet very few people ever actually get to set foot inside it. And so it has this aura of mystery. And there are all these stories about, you know, there are ghosts at the Dakota and obviously some bad things have happened there. And so I really liked the idea of kind of creating a fictional Dakota, if you will. You know, um, I wondered kind of as I was reading it, like, I wonder if this is like based on the Dakota just because of the, the secrecy and the like really high profile residents that lived there. Um, but it wasn't, I would say, completely like recognizable. Um, of course, having never been inside the Dakota, I guess I wouldn't know if it was or not. But um, I did kind of wonder about that. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear, I think. <laughs> People will know what building I'm talking about. So as you were creating Jules and kind of coming up with her story, did you find it difficult to get to know her as a character or did she come to you pretty fully fleshed out? No, Jules was very, very easy to create because she and I have a lot in common. Um, you know, right now she's she's just really struggling financially and emotionally and it's it's a problem that many many people have um there's a lot of economic disparity going on mm -hmm. and you know she has these moments where she talks about what it's like to have like almost no money in her bank account and what it's like to wait until midnight for her checks you know to direct deposit into her account so she can actually have money for gas and not too long ago i was in a very very similar predicament i had just been laid off from my job um i had been dropped by my publisher so i had no job prospects i went on interviews no one was hiring me so there was a quite a lengthy amount of time where i was broke and unemployed and it was terrifying Fortunately, you did not become an apartment sitter in a <laughs> fancy, creepy building. <laughs> Fortunately, yes. <laughs> so, Jules is a, a bit of a, a tragic character in some ways. Like, she's had a lot of bad things happen to her even before the story opened. Did you set out to create someone like her who had very few kind of concrete connections in the world? Definitely, yes. I, I knew I wanted a character that really had no support system other than a friend or two. Because to me, that was very interesting from for two standpoints. One, from a plot standpoint. It makes it a lot easier to keep her inside that building when things start to get pretty weird. I knew readers were going to be saying, Jules, get out of there. <laughs> yes. But I also, yeah, it's, it's, but I also wanted to give her reason for staying there. And the reason is she's desperate for money. But also from a character standpoint, I think it's very interesting to have people 
where something really bad happened to them in their past and to see how it colors their present day decisions. We all have things that happen to us and, you know, it does play a part in our day to day choices. And so that was interesting to to see how Jules would react based on what happened to her in the past. And one of the things with her is that her sister vanished 10 years ago and no one knows what happened to her. And so she's been living with this uncertainty for a decade now. And so when she meets this girl named Ingrid who reminds her so much of her sister who suddenly vanishes, Jules' first instinct is, I need to find her. Right. Even when that may not be the safest, smartest thing to do. Right. Even when the best option might be to just lock herself in that apartment and not come out. Yeah. Right. And not, uh, you know, break any of the very secret, very strict rules that kind of plague her um, in the Bartholomew. And she ends up breaking a lot of them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you have written three novels now, and they are an interesting mix of thriller kind of tinged with horror. What would you say kind of prompted you to decide to blend these two specific genres? Well, it began with my first book, Final Girls, which was inspired by Halloween and, you know, the great Final Girls of film. And I didn't set out to sort of write this mix of psychological thriller and horror. That's just what happened. I wanted to write a psychological thriller inspired by horror movies. And that's kind of was the end result. And so for these later books, I realized I was kind of good at it. And so if it ain't broke, true, true, just keep doing it. And it's a lot of fun for me to blend these genres. I like straddling that fine line between thriller and horror. I think it's interesting for me as a writer, and I think it's interesting for the readers as well. I would say so, because it's, you know, we see a lot of thrillers, and we also see, like, straight, you know, horror novels. But rarely do we see someone who's kind of walking that line and trying to incorporate, you know, bits of both, perhaps, you know, one more than the other, but still a mix of these two very distinct genres are put into this into this work. Can you talk a little bit about your process for creating your books? It varies from book to book, to be honest. Um, with Final Girls, that was just a sp- flash of inspiration, and I just went with it. Um, also, it was born of desperation. As I said, I had no job and no publisher. So I needed, I wanted to make a splash. And so I came up with the idea for Final Girls and just went, this could be pretty brilliant. And so I wrote it very quickly. The first draft was written in nine weeks. Wow. Yes. That will never, ever happen to me again. I'm certain of it. <laughs> um, so for the later books, it, it starts with that first bit of inspiration. Um, for the last time I lied, it was... Picnic Hanging Rock. 
Um, for Lock Every Door, it was most definitely Rosemary's Baby. And so I have this idea of like, I, I want to do my version of Rosemary's Baby. What would that look like? What would it be about? How would it be told? And so then comes just the trial and error of outlining and writing and heavy rewriting <laughs> until finally it comes becomes like the book that I had always envisioned. So do you find that as you're outlining a book, do you try to know sort of every scene? I've spoken with authors who really like to kind of map out their novels scene by scene. But then I've also spoken to people who say, no, you know, I have more of a general idea. Um, how does it work best for you? I work best with that strict outline. I just chapter by chapter, who's in this chapter, what needs to happen in this chapter, and how will it affect later chapters? How does it reflect the previous chapters? And then I always find halfway through the book, without fail, that I just have to completely ditch the outline <laughs> and then kind of start over. And, and it just, it always happens. So the outline is a good beginning spot, but it always changes. So you cannot like keep to that strict outline without, I would guess, kind of derailing the plans that your characters sort of make for themselves. Yeah. and And just certain situations that arise or certain flashes of inspiration that only can happen when you're midway through a book mm -hmm. where you, you start to see themes that you didn't really intend to and go like, Oh yeah, it was a complete accident, but this works really well. I'm going to lean into this more. And it just sort of veers off that little map that I'd all planned out for myself. So then do you have to sit down and create a new outline going forward, or do you then let your characters and plot kind of direct the story? It depends. Sometimes I do rejigger the outline a bit, and other times, depending on how comfortable I feel with the material, I just, you know, go with it. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you would say is the most challenging part of this particular career that you've chosen? <laughs> um yeah the writing <laughs> it's I know it's it's such a flip answer but I I love revising I love rewriting I love making things better um it, for instance with lock every door my editor was like this is great and I actually was arguing with her I'm like no no I can make it better give me a week I'll make it better and she's like no really it's fine I'm like no so it like can't I, be. <laughs> and so I actually like kind of went ahead against her orders and was like, I'm re I'm adding this chapter and rewriting this one and it will be perfect. Trust me. Um, but for me, it's the, the day to day sitting down and putting a thousand, 2000, whatever the, the word count must be for that day onto the page sometimes is really rough. Mm -hmm. It seems, it seems like it would be the easiest thing in the world, but sometimes it's just super hard. So do you have kind of a strict schedule that you keep to when you're writing? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I, yes and no. When deadline is fast approaching, I am just the most disciplined worker bee author you've ever seen. When there is no deadline, I kind of just go, mm, 
maybe today I'll just outline or reading. That's research, right? I can do that. That's good. So yeah, it it depends on on when I need to get something finished. So see if if it were me, that's totally how I would be because I went to college and I wrote my term papers like a couple of days before they were due, and it was kind of terrible. But <laughs> that's what happens when you procrastinate, I suppose. Yeah, and I can't procrastinate too much because I am kind of one of those book every year authors. Right. Some days I just I'm sitting at the laptop so frustrated and struggling and just go, Oh, I wish I was Donna Tart. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> a book every decade. That would be glorious. Ah uh, yes, yes. I I guess, you know, people <laughs> I've seen some people who can write, you know, four or five books a year. And I'm like, wow, you, know, you you must have like just an incredible ability to come up with things and stick to a tight schedule. And I know that just would not be me like ever. <laughs> yeah, so like, I can I, feel that. No disrespect to Nora Roberts. I don't think she's human. Like <laughs> I think she, she might be like a robot or something, just this writing machine because it's, she's just so, so prolific. Yes. Yes. So what do you envision coming next for you now that Lock Every Door is about to be released into the world? Next up is I'm hard at work (laughs) on, I try not to get distracted by the Lock Every Door hype that's been sort of out there. It's, It's wonderful, but I always have to sort of focus on what's coming next. And yes, next is my variation on the Amityville horror. Ooh. And I, I can't say too much about it, but it's it's not what you think it's going to be, but it's it, it will be a lot of fun. Hmm. I hope. Well, we will definitely have to keep an eye out for that. Hopefully, like, next summer, if you kind of stay in line with how beer books have been coming out so far, we'll see I, I how think that my goes. Published- I think my publisher will kidnap me and hold me in a room <laughs> until I finish the book. So it will come out next summer. Yeah. Ah, yeah. See, it's very important to keep the publishers happy, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So do you have like writers or perhaps filmmakers that you feel kind of influence your work? Or do you pull from a variety of situations and influences? I pull from so many things. Um, Film is definitely one of them. You know, as I said, Rosemary's Baby was a huge influence on Lock Every Door. Um, I like turning to film for inspiration because it is kind of our common language, I think. Um, Everyone goes to the movies. Everyone loves the movies. And America, you know, film is like, its biggest export. So it's fun to take these things that have entered the pop cultural consciousness and kind of twist them a little bit and sort of subvert the expectations of them. Um, But I also turn to a lot of authors for inspiration. Um, Stephen King, clearly. Um, Megan Abbott is another one who she just writes, her, her prose is just glorious. 
and she writes such complicated, prickly characters. It's so yes, great. Yes, she does. Um, and even you know some inspiration that you you wouldn't think. Like I love Ann Tyler. I love oh, wow. how she draws. Yeah, how she draws such quirky human characters, and I really try to give my characters that same sense of humanity and just eccentricity and because I hate reading a thriller where the characters are basically just, they they could be cardboard cutouts. Right. You know, just give me some humanity. And I think it it just makes it that much more interesting. You care about these people. You worry for them. You want them to survive the end of the book. Well, I think that was one of the best things about Jules as a character is that you could really feel her struggle and you could imagine that there are you know people in the world who are living very similar struggles it wasn't some kind of you know person like in an ivory tower where you have no real like point of commonality with them right jules is sort of the the every woman millennial right now um and i took great pains to make her that way i didn't want her to be you know you see these characters that are so put together and that she, they might be jobless, but they can step out in like the latest fashions, and mm-hmm. you know, they, and it's like, no, she dresses plainly. She can't afford to, you know, to get her hair cut at supercuts. She's wearing, you know, payless shoes that have worn out soles. And so, I just wanted readers to be like, yeah, I'm totally, I, I feel you, Jules. I know yes. what your life is like. So, what are you reading and loving these days? Oh, there's so many good books coming out this summer. Um, it's true. I, I've i been able to read the upcoming Ruth Ware book, The Turn of the Ooh, Key. Oh, I have that here. Was it lovely? It's, it's so good. It is so oh. creepy. And yeah, Ruth, she was so nice. She gave me a wonderful blurb for Lock Every Door. And then she sent along a copy of The Turn of the Key. And I was like, how did I get this lucky? And yeah, another one, I've enjoyed her quite a bit. I loved The Death of Mrs. Westaway last year. And and one that's coming out um, tomorrow, actually, the same day as Lock Every Door, is um, Whisper Network by Chandler Baker. It's oh. just, it's delicious. It's such a good book. Amazing. I will definitely have to keep an eye out for that one. That one somehow did not make it onto my radar. We are pretty big here on book recommendations, and I have found, as I've been talking with more authors, that so many authors have fantastic recommendations. It makes me so happy. Yeah, it's it's great to be sent these books. Like, I just, it's like a dream. Like, I don't have to go to the store <laughs> much anymore because they just come to me, and it's so such a nice change. <laughs> Do you enjoy, like, reading um, like a hard copy book or have you kind of jumped on the whole like e-reader bandwagon? It depends on how much I think I'm going to enjoy the book. Um, it's, it's weird. Like if it's something that I think I'll really savor, then I'll get the hardcover. If it's something that I'm like on the fence about, or I might not like this, I will get the ebook. So it, it's really, and I, so I don't want to name names. No, <laughs> no. Fear of, no, certainly not. Um, are you an audiobook fan at all? I used to be back when I had a job 
well, I do have a job, but a, an office job <laughs> and and an hour long commute each way. So that would be my audiobook time. I, I okay. love just I, I lean toward nonfiction, like just these big, you know, 20 hour nonfiction audiobooks. Well, you have a fantastic narrator for the audio version of Lock Every Door, which is actually the copy that I read for this interview. Um, and I thought that she did a fantastic job. I haven't listened to it yet, but I do have a copy of it. And I, I just I can't wait to give it a listen and, and hear how she does, because I hear she's fantastic. Yes, she is so, so good. Um, and she's someone that I had actually not heard of until your book came out, you know, was given to me. So I was really excited to discover kind of a new, a new to me narrator who did such a fantastic job. Do you have much input into the audio creations for your books? I really don't. Um, I think if I wanted to, I could, but my publisher does just truly an amazing job with them that you know, I just sit back and let them do their thing, and it always turns out great. Well, if this one is, um, you know, any kind of example of how that works out, I would say that's a, a pretty great strategy to have. <laughs> let, yep, yeah, let the experts do their thing. Yeah, that's kind of what experts do, and that's sort of why we want to have them, I imagine. Mm -hmm. So if listeners are wanting to find you online, what is the best place for them to do that? Um, my website is Riley Sager Books. And on there are links to all of my social media. I'm very active on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, Facebook, I try, but I'm just not that good at it. But but I, I love interacting with people on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, um, they're two different handles. So I, the, the website will have links to all of them. I find that Instagram is becoming a really popular um, social media outlet for authors these days. The, There's the like a are, lot of people there. The Bookstagram community is huge and so excited. And they've been so, so good to me. Like it's, it's been incredible to see like their responses to, to all of my books and, and how excited they've been for months, basically about Lock Every Door. I think, you know, as I, I grew up reading in the eighties and nineties, and as I've seen kind of the whole publishing industry change in the past, like 10 years or so with the kind of advent of social media and its introduction into this whole like literary world and it seems like now readers are far more informed about just what's coming up for authors they love and as like bloggers and and podcasters we're able to help kind of build that buzz i'm wondering um if that's something as an author that you have found to be useful um or do you kind of wish we would go back to like the way it was before, where it was everything was just a big mystery. You waited kind of on pins and needles to see what someone was releasing next. Um, I love the current way now <laughs> because it is it is your way to to get your work out there. And there's nothing like 
letting readers get to know who you are, just not as a writer, but also as a person mm-hmm. that I think I think really bonds them to you and your work. And it's great to just see the excitement that's out there. And especially now when, you know, everyone is kind of reading the same book, like yes. every book club is, is reading like the same five books. And so if you're not one of those books, you, you need another way to sort of get the word out there that, hi, I have a book, too. And the social media is just a perfect way to do that. I know that as a reader and now um, as a blogger and, and podcaster, I have I'm just so much more informed about what's happening book wise than I ever was, you know, even like five or six years ago. And I love it so much. I love kind of knowing what's what's out there in a way that you never could before. So it is really amazing. cool. Thank you so much for no, thank with you. Me this, today. This was so fun. Thank you. And good luck tomorrow on your release day. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous, but it'll all go well. I certainly hope so. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Now on to this week's new books. So as always, this is not intended to be a comprehensive list. Um, I choose things that are either of interest specifically to me, things that I know that my co-hostesses are interested in, or things that just sort of generally seem like things that the overall listenership of this podcast would enjoy. If there are particular books that you are excited about that I haven't mentioned, please let me know. The more I know about what people read and love, the better I can curate these lists as I make them each week. So the first several books are books that you've heard about before, either on our most anticipated books of 2019 episode or more recently on our most anticipated books of July. So we're going to get started here with um, the book Charmer. And this is the first book in a new series by Karen Hawkins. The series is called Dove Pond. And Sarah talked about this on our most anticipated books of July episode. Um, So definitely check that out. You can hear her description as well as some discussion on the proper way to pronounce a series titled Dove Pond. Um, If you're curious about that, you'll have to go back and check it out. Um, Next up are two historical romances that Stacy is excited about. They can also be heard on that July episode. And they are Brazen and the Beast, Bare Knuckled Bastards, book two by Sarah McLean. And Once a Spy, Rogues Redeemed, book four by Mary Jo Putney. So both of these are historical romances. Um, I personally have read Mary Jo Putney and really enjoy her stuff. I've never read Sarah McLean, although I want to. Um, Next up is a book that I talked about on our most anticipated books of 2019. And this is The Chelsea Girls by Fiona Davis. It's finally out. I'm really, really excited. Um, I want the world to fall in love with this book the way that I did. I read an early copy and it was so, 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 so great. So if you are a Fiona Davis fan, if you love historical fiction, definitely check her out. And this again is The Chelsea Girls. And I talked about it way back in January when we were talking about 
the biggest books of 2019. And last up is a book that Brooke mentioned in our most anticipated books of July episode. This is The Arrangement, and it is a thriller by Robin Harding. I am super excited about it. It looks amazing. All right. Now we will talk about books that we haven't mentioned before. So first up is the latest from Jocelyn Jackson, and this is Never Have I Ever. And she is writing a thriller, which is new and different. Um, her books are usually these lush explorations of the American South, and I expect this one to be kind of similar just in its setting and perhaps in its characters, but there is a thriller aspect, so I'm super excited about this. It's Never Have I Ever by Jocelyn Jackson. Urban fantasy fans will be very pleased with these next couple of books. Um, first up is Brave the Tempest. And this is the ninth book in Karen Chance's Cassie Palmer series. This is a series that I've heard a ton of great things about. I've also heard some fantastic things about the kind of offshoot of it, but I have never read them. Um, I have the first one sitting on my iPad, so we will see um, eventually what I think of it. But this is the ninth book in the Cassie Palmer series, and it is called Brave the Tempest, and it is by Karen Chance. And continuing with this urban fantasy slash paranormal romance thing, we have Break the Day, and this is Midnight Breed, number 16, by Laura Adrian. These are very, very, very similar to the Black Dagger Brotherhood books by J.R. Ward. So whether or not you'll like these depends a lot on whether you enjoy Ward's world building and storytelling. Um, I don't find this series to be as immersive as the Ward books, but if you're looking for something that kind of fills that hole, this might work for you. So this again is the 16th book, and it is called Break the Day, Midnight Breeds, number 16, by Lara Adrian. Okay, now we have to talk about mysteries some more, because this is just what I do. Um, this is called Goodnight Stranger. And the author is Nisha Bay Gold. And this is kind of a complicated story, as far as I can tell from the synopsis, about a woman and her exploration of her past and how that affects her present, as well as a pretty deep look at a relationship that she has with, with her brother and the stranger who kind of tears the two of them apart. So this is Goodnight Stranger, and it is by Nishia Bay Gold. Next up for me is a young adult novel. This is The Year They Fell. The author is David Creaseman, and I've not heard of him before, but this novel looks like something that I would really love. It is about five high school seniors who are bonded together by a terrible tragedy. And from this tragedy, they apparently learn some really deep lessons. Um, I think there's so much great young adult fiction out there, both like contemporary and fantasy. And I'm, I just, I love so much of it. So this again is The Year They Fell, and it is by David Creaseman. 
this next book reminds me a little bit of um, The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides, and it is called Too Close. The author is Natalie Daniels, and this is a thriller about a woman who has been institutionalized because of a terrible crime that she is thought to have committed. And it is now up to her psychiatrist to kind of get to the truth. Did she commit it? Did she not? Um, if she didn't, then who did? So this is Too Close, and the author is Natalie Daniels. This next book is kind of a cross between a thriller and chiclet. This is That's What Frenemies Are For, and it is by Sophie Littlefield and Laura Gershel. And I have read a couple of um, Sophie Littlefield's novels, the Stella, Stella Hardesty series, and I've enjoyed them. So this one is kind of a lighthearted look at this woman who wants to increase her social prowess. And so she decides that she's going to turn her spin instructor into like a new version of herself. And apparently this doesn't really go so well. So that again is That's What Frenemies Are For by Sophie Littlefield and Lauren Gershaw. Next up is The Betrayed Wife by Kevin O'Brien. And this is the story of a teenage girl with a lot of power that apparently she does not want to use correctly. She has the power to destroy her father's perfect family, or at least it seems to be a perfect family. So this again is The Betrayed Wife, and it's by Kevin O'Brien. Now, Catherine Coulter is an author that was kind of like one of my gateways into romance. I love her so, so much. Um, I love her historicals most of all, but I did really enjoy some of her contemporaries as well. So this is Labyrinth, and it is the 23rd novel in her FBI series. So I imagine we will visit with Dylan Savage and Lacey Sherlock, but we'll also have kind of an independent mystery and romance uh, arc going on here. So again, it's Labyrinth, and it's FBI number 23 by Catherine Coulter. And I'm going to talk about another author that I read a lot as I was first starting to get into romance, and this is Irish Johansson. She has written a ton of books. I love her standalone historicals. I love a lot of her standalone romantic suspense books, and I loved the first few Eve Duncan books that she wrote, but now I kind of feel like that series has blown up um, and just needs to be over, but I don't get to decide these things. So she is releasing Smokescreen this week, and it's the 25th book in her Eve Duncan series. I cannot tell you anything about it. I'm really far behind in this series, but I know it still has an incredible amount of fans. So if you are one of them, you might want to check it out. And it is Smokescreen, Eve Duncan, number 25, and it is by Iris Johansson. All right. Next up is Mothers by Kath Weeks, and this is a mystery about mothers and daughters, the tenuous bonds they have, and also the great animosity that can exist between them. 
um, as someone with kind of a strained relationship with my own mother, I'm intrigued by this. So this is Mothers by Kath Weeks. And because this podcast would not be complete without a little bit more historical romance, I am very excited about this next book. It is Married in Secret, and it is the third book in Anne Gracie's Marriage of Convenience series. Um, I really love her Bride series, The Summer Bride, The Winter Bride. Um, I have not read this particular series yet, the Marriage of Convenience books, but I do really want to. So this again is Married in Secret, Marriage of Convenience, book three by Anne Gracie. This next book is called Mary Lou is Everywhere, and it is by Sarah Elaine Smith. It's about the disappearance of an African-American teenager and the way another girl is kind of able to slip into this place that she left behind. I'm not quite sure of the mechanics of this, like how do you just kind of step into someone else's life, but I'm eager to read this and check it out. So it's Mary Lou is Everywhere. And it is by Sarah Elaine Smith. Dark Age. This is the fifth book in the Red Rising series by Pierce Brown. I loved the first three. I have not caught up with the fourth one. So I'm certainly not ready for the fifth one. But Pierce Brown has done an amazing job with this series, at least the ones that I've read. This is the fifth book. I really need to catch up because... I love his writing, his characters, his world. He does a great job with Mars. Um, I, I really, I just fell in love with this book, a couple, with the first book in the series a couple of years ago. So this is Dark Age, Red Rising, book five by Pierce Brown. And I have to, of course, mention the newest novel by Sherry Lapina. I'll be chatting with her um, later this week, so she'll be appearing on the podcast soon. Um, her, her latest novel is called Someone We Know, and I'm not going to really talk about it much because I want that interview to stand on its own. Um, so if you enjoy Sherry Lapina, definitely check it out. It's called Someone We Know. How about The Escape Room by Megan Golden? And this is kind of, it's, it's like a locked room mystery. And it's the story of four Wall Street rising stars who realize that their ambition comes at a very, very big price. So this again is The Escape Room by Megan Golden. And last up for me, is Speaking of Summer by Kalisha Buchanan. And this is the story of twins named Summer and Autumn. And Summer has gone missing. Um, the world is not nearly as upset about this as Autumn thinks that it should be. And so she tries to learn what happened to her sister and learns a lot of deeply disturbing things along the way. So this, once again, is Speaking of Summer, and it is by Kalisha Buchanan. All right, that does it for me today. I hope you have found something or several things to add to your TBR. Please feel free to let me know what you are looking forward to. As I said toward the beginning of the episode, I'm always happy to hear from you. Mm -hmm.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.